Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by Mike Dunn. Hello. And I am also joined by Rob Berg. Hello there. And Ellis Zimmerman. What's up? The new guy to the podcast. Welcome. Uh, usually in this podcast, we talk about the latest games that we we're able to get our hands on, the games in our backlog that we should have played a long time ago, and the games you have to play. But our tabletop friends are back from Gen Con, so it is another tabletop takeover. We're going to do a Gen Con recap and talk about our best games, tabletop games that we experienced in Gen Con. But first, before we get into that, guys, how was Gen Con? How was it? Well, uh, from my perspective, uh, it was it's it was the most successful con gaming trends ever had. Uh, we had a blast. Uh, we had a crew of four, um, and we we just kind of took over. Man, it was great. Uh, we saw a lot more games than we usually see. Uh, talked to a lot more people. Um, left with a. With a trunk load of games, uh, Rob. I still can't to... believe. I still can't believe we actually man- <laughs> you guys managed to fit everything in there. I was like, "There's no way we're gonna have to put it in my car. I don't have to drive it to Tennessee and and fly the Wait, or like so ship they put the everything boxes in your back car? to you guys." Yeah, with the exception of just a few things that went with Ellis because he was headed down to Tennessee and we were uh, going back to Colorado. Um, but like we crammed, we crammed that thing tight. Like, Rob what is the car. I need, I need a visual in my head. What, what Rob, is which Rob, car? Rob is like a Tetris master or something. I don't know what the hell. Uh, it, it was, it was inspired. I was very impressed. Yeah, what uh, were you guys driving? Uh, Toyota Highlander. Why I'm I'm not thinking of this car off the top of my head. I'm gonna Google uh, this car real quick. <laughs> it's it's uh it's the it's an SUV. Um, all the all the companies that have their like real big SUVs, it's the step down that still can have third row seating. Oh yeah, this is like a midsize SUV. Okay, yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So you put down the, the third row seats and just stuff stuff in it. Oh, yeah, uh, it was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of sixty games. Actually, probably more than that because sixty we, we like sixty five games are what we uh, we got from uh, publishers to bring back to uh, to review. Um, we we bought some, yeah, we bought some too. Uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, it was over a hundred. Yeah, it was over a hundred. So okay. your car was the designated vehicle, Rob. Yep. Uh, we, 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 not only was it the third row seating that was down, we put down, uh, half of the second row because there's three of us in the car. So we still needed, um, one of the second row seats, but we, it was packed to. Could you as, see as, out as, the rear view mirror? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. You couldn't yeah. see anything out of the rear view. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That as as crammed as it could be to still have yeah, it was impressive it was impressive like i i usually come i would i would usually come home uh on a flight uh with two very meticulously weighed uh check-in mm. luggage mm-hmm. you know suitcases um 
and uh and there's no way like this wouldn't this we would have needed like four like six of those things at least it was ridiculous it was ridiculous but we 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 have we brought back a ton of games and a ton of great games and that is going to translate into a ton of great content for gaming trend so how did it feel being back? Cause I, I'm was this the first Gen Con since the pandemic, or was this the second? I, so this was the second, uh, but the, the second. one, okay. yeah, the one last year was a little later in the year. It was in September, and um, it uh, it was scaled down. Um, it was I think uh, thirty five thousand people, and uh, this one was around fifty five. Somewhere between fifty-five and sixty thousand. <laughs> yeah, um, Thirty-five still doesn't seem that scaled down, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, less. the previous year before that, it was seventy. Okay. So, yeah. So still they just quite cut not it up right to, in half. Yeah. Cut it right in half. You know, uh, which I, it was pretty cool because you know it, we had a lot of uh, big names that didn't show up that year, um, but we were able to talk to a bunch of smaller. Uh, smaller scale companies and uh, game designers, uh, but there were only two of us, and we were still busy nonstop. So uh, this year we had four, and we were busy, still but we busy were nonstop. able. We 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 went everywhere we wanted to go, pretty much, with That's with nice. very few exceptions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's always so, nice. I know. I the year I went to E three, it was like, dear Lord, I oh yeah, I I want to hit all these things and i can't because i'm only one person right right yeah no uh if my my experience at e3 was it was just non-stop uh visual and audio stimulation oh, it was yeah. there's nothing like i don't need i don't my memory is spotty because i think of all of the strobe effects <laughs> but <laughs> i don't uh, yeah i believe it um, all right well, we got, obviously you guys, uh, you know, you mentioned over 100 games in Rob's car, so we're not going to go over all those games. Instead, we are going to narrow down your collective top five games of Gen Con that y'all experienced. So, y'all can go in any order that you want, however you want to do this, but uh, let's let's talk about the top five. Uh, uh here, I'll give you I'll give you one to start with to kick us off, and then y'all take it from here. Let's start with uh, the one I was most interested in: Cat in the Box. Huh? Yeah. Yes, yes. Cat in the Box yeah. is definitely one of our top five. Um, I actually, uh, I think uh, all three of us bought copies, our own copies of that game. Yeah. Nice. Um, and uh i've played it a bunch of times since uh and it it's it's just a great filler game it's super fun everybody who plays it enjoys the hell out of it and it definitely deserves all the hype that it's been getting it is uh, uh it's one of the few games that has like passed my like made me cry like from laughing so hard test oh, so okay. <laughs> it's up there it's like made me cry that that's that i was like dang that's a serious dedication. That one else. All right. No, uh, well, we talked about we talked about Cat, it a lot last one. So, but oh, go yeah. ahead, Rob. It it was man. Cat in the Box is one of those ones that, like we talked about in the last uh, episode that we did for this, was it, it was such a big priority to get a copy. 
I went day one, man. Day one, that was my first stop before we did anything else. I I was not gonna walk away from the convention without a copy. Uh one of my buddies that used to be part of our game group here in Colorado Springs, he was working that booth for that company. They brought seventeen hundred copies and sold every single one of them. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a hot ticket for sure. Um and uh and yeah, we we actually uh we have a video up on the YouTube channel uh and and an article on the website uh a preview uh of uh we recorded a full demo. Uh you can check it out on our YouTube channel or on the article. Um, I got my butt kicked. Yeah, yeah, Ellis Ellis got had his uh his butt handed to him. Um, he caused a, parad- a temporal paradox and uh, destroyed the world. So, um, you know, luckily we started another game, and that's why we're all here right now. But uh... <laughs> the beauty of resets, yes, quantum physics. You know, it's uh, no, but it, to to kind of make sense of that ridiculous offhand joke. Uh, cat in the box is uh, the theme of cat in the box is about Schrodinger's cat, which is the uh, the theory uh, posited by Erwin Schrodinger um, that if you put a cat in a box for a specified amount of time, uh, there's no way to look into the box. But during that amount of time, a poison pellet could or could not at any random point uh, go off and kill the cat. So. Uh, if if you have a set amount of time, that means uh, halfway through that set amount of time, the cat is both alive and dead at the same time, according to the math. I still don't understand it, but yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm also not that smart. So I was like, he lost me too. at math. So <laughs> right, I exactly. Now that I, I've played Cat in the Box a bunch of times and I understand it better, I think Cat in the Box is a better way of explaining Schrodinger's cat than Schrodinger's cat explains Cat in the Box. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So it's an educational that, game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I totally agree. All right. Um, is that an actual, like, legit theory? Yes, yes. It's my favorite quantum theory. Fascinating. I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm not being sarcastic. So what happens if you leave a dog in a box? I'm just curious. I mean, I don't know if Edwin or Orwin Schrodinger was a dog guy. He was definitely a cat guy. I, I believe that. I'm just saying, as a scientist, I feel like I would want to start trying these different things on different animals. What happens if you put a guinea pig in a box? I think it's the same thing. It's just you're changing a variable. What happens if you put Ellis in a box? Do, you, do we Wait, want to find out? shorter between you two, <laughs> Rob or Ellis? Uh, Rob must be because he's laughing nervously. So what happens if you put Rob in a box? <laughs> wow, you read that so good. That was impressive. <laughs> that was the most nervous laugh. <laughs> All right, get nervous. <laughs> All right, so uh, so that's Cat in the Box. Probably the world knows about that one by now. Um, All right, so what? It, what? Talk about another game. In your top five. Shoot us another one. Okay. I'll be the picker then. I like this. <laughs> Sky Mines. Uh, good old Sky Mines, man. 
Uh, Talk about Sky Mines. Well, Sky Mines, we kind of touched on it a little bit in uh, in the previous episode. However, we got our hands on a copy. We weren't expecting to get it. Great. Um, there's so much, so much to dive into with Sky Mines uh, by uh, Alexander Pfister and Pegasus Spiel. Um, it's a an action management Euro board game that it's got the this cool aesthetic of being you're you're playing a corporation that's trying to control uh like take control of outposts on the moon asteroid belt and you're uh trying to essentially in invest in these corporations and make the most money on your investment it's pretty sweet we've made Uh, it to the moon at this point we're we're already there we're doing stuff we're building things we're making money now you're just trying to control the assets that are already there yeah, you're, yeah, you're and there. we and we did we did bring a copy of this game back with us, uh, and we played it a couple of times. Rob is in the process of reviewing it. Um, I've 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 gotten to play it myself. It's very fun. I think that first play we were we kind of misinterpreted one of the rules, so I'm kind of eager to give it another go. Um, also, uh, the board is double sided. On one side, you're mining the uh, moon, and on the other, you're mining asteroids. And I did the mining the moon side, and Rob said that the uh, asteroid side is actually uh, a little more fun. Um, a little harder. A little harder, but... So what's the difference? Um, so the moon side... If you're able to talk about it, I don't know if you got embargo stuff, but... No, 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 no embargo. Good. Okay. The the moon side, it's got a... It's, it's all like... Essentially think of like different Tetris shapes that make one board of the moon um, and forms a circle on the board. And then all these different spaces are inter- are connected and it's all in one space when you're looking at the board and when you're placing company outposts, it's easier to kind of visualize and see. And there's simple costs to placing these outposts. Uh, crossing a line into a new section is it costs you one energy if you're picking out another company that's already in that section it costs you an extra energy on top of that one and so that kind of the moon side is kind of simple in that way the yeah everything's side, all grouped together in one big area right so right. all the places that you can claim uh to put mines and like build build on are all connected with each other in this one big area of the moon uh whereas the asteroids they're on separate it's all kind of scattered all over the board and instead you use shuttles to connect to the different asteroids where you place your outposts and this time though going along the paths not only does it cost energy to go into areas but there's all the different paths that have extra energy costs on them on top of the regular energy costs. So energy management is a lot trickier and takes a lot more to figure out and actually be able to place all the different outposts and shuttles, like unlike the moon side. 
So it's it's a little trickier. It's a little harder. Requires you to think a little more. But it's it's very good. It's satisfying thinker. You know, like there's no. I feel like there's almost no bad decision. It's just where you can get the most bang for your buck, essentially. Okay. All right, that's Sky Mines. All right. Um, somebody mentioned before we started your top five, uh, Mistwind. Tell the people about Mistwind. Yeah, I can uh, talk about this one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so Mistwind, we saw it in its prototype version. It was still in the development process. And uh, it, basically, it's like a pickup and transport game featuring these awesome like flying whales. And you basically send these whales or, like, around, around the map and like drop like ports to collect resources. And it has a, a, a unique action selection. Where there's uh, you you have like uh, five discs numbered one through five, and at the start of each round you have to pick one of those numbers to get rid of, and you can't use that disc for that round. So you have to like kind of look at like if you if you get rid of your four, then you get you gotta like look at all of like the four actions and and like say okay I don't want any of those, but it's, it's really easy to like throw away something that actually you really needed. So it's it. It's it's unique and it's it's the art is amazing. The the 3D printed figurines he had were incredible. We were really excited about it. Yeah, it was super cool. Uh we all got to play that demo. Um I don't I think we got some photos of it, but not video coverage. Um but uh like everything about the game was uh well the, the the miniatures seemed pretty far along in terms of design the board and a lot of the cards were still uh fairly early prototype uh i like probably the best equivalent would be like an alpha uh like a a, a later alpha uh version if you're using video game uh nomenclature um but uh it was it was super cool uh i think I think Rob in particular was actually really excited about this one too. Yeah, Mistwind for me really stood out. Um, there's another game that people taught that they kind of like talked about it similarly. Was it's called Ticket to Ride, and it's got this route um, building mechanism where you want to go from one end of the board to another, and in Ticket to the Ride, you place trains and you take up the only paths that are available so you could essentially block people from certain pathways and then they have to figure out how to get there and there's chances they aren't able to mistwin is the much friendlier version of that but i feel like it requires a lot more strategy there wasn't any blocking of paths um people could be in the same ports and same places um, with their whales, and then the little, uh, they had some, like, lighthouse building meeples as well, or not meeples, 3D printed figures as well, that, uh, those are what you leave behind as the ports to mark your paths that you're building across the board, and it's just a really cool take on the mechanism that I think kind of takes Ticket to Ride, 
and advances it. It, it, it it's 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 ticket to ride if it has a final form. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, so like I was thinking, like Ticket to Ride, like that whole game, it's it's a fairly uh, entry level uh, game. Um, it's it's a good game, but it, it's basically just around that one mechanic. You're creating routes across the map with your trains. This basically takes that mechanic and makes it maybe a quarter or a third of the game. It's a cornerstone cornerstone of Mistwind, but it isn't the dominant feature of it. There's so much more going on. There's a lot more that kind of influences how you create those routes um, and how you're able to complete those routes. Uh, and it, it's super cool. Uh, and, I mean, you know, flying whales is... that that I, I, I kind of dig that. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to make it. It could be an interesting stepping stone for the hobby because Ticket to Ride is one of the the most successful and best selling board games like ever. And yeah. and now, like with the, like a similar kind of game, people people who've played Ticket to Ride like okay, now now you're ready for the next step up. You're ready for, to make it a little bit more complicated, get a little bit deeper into board games, and you already like understand like kind of a core concept of the game and just tack on a little bit more. Yeah. Are the people do you think the people who play Ticket to Ride, majority of them still play board games and tabletop and whatnot? Or, you know, is it's kind of miswind is kind of still for like the the dedicated I mean, there's still people playing Monopoly. No. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think people still play Ticket to Ride and have used Ticket to Ride as a way to segue into other games in the hobby. Yeah. However, I think Ticket to Ride is still a love of a lot of people out there. Yes. Um they they're constantly coming out with new versions of it. You know, but it it's it's not a Ticket to Ride's fantastic. It just it's built on the one mechanism. Yeah. Mistwin with that It mechanism, does one thing. It does that one thing so good. Right. And Mistwin with that mechanism lays the groundwork to add in the extra to make it different and set it apart. Yeah, for sure. And it has it has the potential to be a huge hit. Yeah. So Yeah, it's gonna be beautiful it's when it's five. finished. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. All right. Age of Comics is also in your top five. Oh Mike yes. shot up on that one. Yep. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, no, so uh, Age of Comics uh, was one that I was really hoping to see. Uh, it's uh, uh, at the d- designers of the game are uh, based out of Italy, and they couldn't make it to Gen Con. Uh, so they sent a copy to the, uh, in- I think it's the Indie Games League, which is an independent uh, organization that helps uh, elevate uh, independent game designers and developers uh, in tabletop. And, um, this was one of the, uh, the, I think the big draws they had at their table this year. And it was one that I had actually reached out to the designers to see if we could, uh, get a look at it. And uh, I'm really glad we did because it looks great. It's basically the theme is, uh, you are the, uh, each player is a publisher, a comic book publisher in the, I believe forties. 
uh, the golden age of comics. Uh, could be 30s and 40s. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it takes place primarily uh, in, in Manhattan, and you've got, each player is kind of racing to get, like, uh, a writer, to hire a writer and an artist and an inker to uh, work on a comic book uh, and make it, like, the first of a, of a new genre uh, to kind of help them go up uh, these certain tracks, which, uh, in, like, one of the tracks, I believe, is Fans. Um, and uh, and just basically uh, kind of a, an in-game point-scoring thing uh, where, like, the more you kind of upgrade your writers and artists and the more uh, new genre comics uh, you can come out with, uh, the more likely you're going to win the game. Um, I think probably the most clever mechanic that we saw uh, was if you don't, if someone else beats you to like a new genre of comic, like a, uh, a horror comic, for instance, then you can also come out with uh, knockoff comics, which are the same genre, but it's like, uh, instead of it lives, it's, it crawls, you know, it, <laughs> it's the, it's, the same kind of thing. You get less points, you get less fans, but you can kind of capitalize on the wave that happens. And that is very thematically accurate because that's what happened back then. Everybody copied the hell out of each other. And um, I mean, to to a level that would probably force litigation if it happened in the present day, right? Um, but uh, it's super cool. Just great table presence. Um, really leans heavily into kind of the uh, comic art style of the era, and I'm a big comic nerd, so it's it's definitely uh, been on my radar ever since I heard about it. That is also hitting Kickstarter in a couple of weeks. Nice. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, super excited about that one. Yeah, and those rip off. I will be ba- backing it day one. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ellis. Yeah, I was just going to mention those those ripoffs I was talking about that each like comic in that game has like its own like teeny little like tile that is like the the cover page of that comic. And then yeah. the ripoffs are like the like the same of like what they're ripping off, but they're like discolored and and this like thing <laughs> little details that are wrong with it. It's hilarious. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, just very cleverly designed and love, love the mechanics. Uh, it doesn't look like it's it's really uh I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's breaking new ground on, on mechanics-wise, but I haven't seen anything in this theme, and I think it's it's going to do it really well. It looks great. Yeah, that's a that's a unique find. That's a that's a good one. All right, last one in our top five, but not necessarily number one. But maybe who knows? Harrow County. Ah, uh, yes. So Ellis actually played this one. He can he can speak to it. Oh, okay. Uh, I, nice. I, I played I played an earlier version of it. Uh, actually, no. This was the one that I was going to say was my number one pick. So you 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 beat mm. me there. Um. So I'll pick something else. All right. Well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I I believe you guys talked about Harrow County on the uh, on the last we- episode of this, right? We did. we did. That's the one with the box with a hole in it. It looked like in a tree. 
Is yep. that it? Yeah, oh, yep, yeah. Got a good memory. All right. I hadn't even watched it beforehand, so that yeah, was it off the top of my head. It's based off the uh, Harrow County comic from the same guys who made uh, Mind Management, based off of the Mind Management comic. And uh, Off the like, Page Games. Off the Page Games, that's right. Yep. And it's uh, a, a one versus one, like kind of stri- strategic dueling game with this uh, weird potential for a, a third party to enter in. Uh, but we didn't we didn't mess with that during our demo. Uh, it's asymmetric. So each side has like a, a different like goal that they achieve to score points. And it's the first to seven that wins. And there's there's like three major ways of getting points. Uh, one one faction is like the family of witches. It's trying to destroy Harrow County, and they they place down storms, destroy some of the buildings. In each building they destroy is like two points, and then the other side uh, has like haints that they control and to like go out and rescue uh, people of of Harrow County and and prevent it from getting destroyed. And then each each like townsfolk that they rescue, that's two points for them. Uh, and then there's a uh, it's it's a little bit of like territory control too. So the little center tile ha- is uh, if anyone has one of their haints on that center tile, that's a point at the end of the round. And then the third way of getting points is by killing one of the one of your opponent's haints in combat by dropping the cubes into the box. And uh, it's 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 really interesting. It's really tight with only seven points. Um, the game I played was was really really close. It uh, like we were both at one point at, I think at like six points, and and with like three different ways of getting points, we were we were like three three different ways of of like almost reaching victory. So it was it was a really tense like two player experience. It might be like one of the best like two player games I've played. Is this can you? Switch factions like per round. Is like how does this, how does that work? So you pick a faction at the start of the game, and and I'm not sure if they have like other factions that you could play as in the full set or yes, do you know yes. Anymore so about that? Mike, I, I I do I do. So there are uh, three factions you can choose from. Um, one is uh, the the. The village friendly one, which is um, uh, uh, revolves around the main character of the comic. I believe her name is Emma. I'm spacing on it just at the, at the moment. Um, it is, Emma. but yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. <clears throat> um, and so, uh, like her play style is like she's trying to help the villagers because uh, there's villagers on the board. Um, and then there are, there's the family and they're trying to like, uh, uh, kind of populate the area with these storms, which, um, uh, they're just basically trying to destroy the, destroy Harrow County. Um, and then there's a third faction, which is Emma's twin sister, who, uh, is, it was also born from the tree. Um, and, uh, she wants to control Harrow County. So all of her abilities uh, center around uh, controlling the haints of the area and uh, and kind of uh, seizing, um, uh, basically going towards a victory condition in that fashion. So it's um, like your points are gathered 
per like so oh so so there's i believe i believe there's going to be narratives associated with each scenario depending on who you're who's facing off against who uh and then there's a final narrative that uh brings in uh hester the witch which uh which is the the character that was hung in the tree and who they thought uh emma was the rebirth of um but she doesn't actually have like any pieces on the board so she takes her turns that player takes their turns by uh taking control of the other two players this is the three player option that that ellis was talking about um and basically using the other two players uh um uh pieces on the board uh for on her own turn uh and and the the goal for her is to bring them bring all the haints together and destroy the haints so that she can create a new body for herself um so uh, again very thematically accurate to the comic uh we've got probably the most in-depth uh, video about the game, uh, the rules teach, and an actual demo of the game that Ellis played up on uh, our YouTube channel. And Ellis also did a wonderful write-up that's up on the website. Um, this is this game is coming to Kickstarter real soon, and uh, we'll, we'll probably be covering it a lot more going forward. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, it's I don't think I've really seen. A game like this, two player with the option of like adding a third player, like that's pretty unique. Like I, that's not something you see too much of. All right, now I'm going to do something that I didn't prepare you for, and I did this on purpose. Uh oh! I want you to rank each of these oh, five gosh. to one. Go ahead, debate. I want. Oh. I, I want all of it. We got Sky Mines, we got Mistwind, we got Cat in the Box, we got Age of Comics, we got Harrow County. Rob is staring down, <laughs> smiling at himself because he's like, mm, kind of can of worms did you just open? Oh, I, think, I think we're going to have three different answers, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I think Harrow County has got to be in the top one or two. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. For me personally, Harrow County and Age of Comics are probably the top two. <laughs> Rob, you're just <laughs> sitting there. What's your top one or two? I mean, for for me, Sky Mines is up there, man, and Mist Winter is up there. Um, those are. Oh, we got completely different lists going on. Oh, yeah, here. see that's. You know, I and 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 like we kind of held held some of our absolute favorites back from that list too. So mm-hmm. that, yeah, that I'm could just talking further, about the top five here because this is the, yeah, I know these I know. are games all of you got to play for the most part. At least that were available. So yeah. for uh, you know, uh, I yeah. think Age of Comics, you know, that was uh, an outlier, but it was so good that you, you you know it had to be on this list. But yeah. for the most part, I mean, Scott we got a demo, made, but we didn't get to play it, but. Yeah, we got a pretty you, good demo you, of it. You, right. So, um, you know, with all of these, minus your personal favorites from Gen Con, you know, these these are this is a pretty dang good list from from what I'm yeah. hearing. So yeah, um, yeah. But I will say this: it doesn't. It sounds like Cat in the Box is probably number five. I'm a little disappointed. 
Uh, no, well, no, 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 no. Even if it's number no. five, let's let's say <laughs> worst comes worst. Even if it's number five, okay. This list of games, these five, are some of the best out of hundreds and thousands of games. Yeah, at Gen Con, like being number five. There's nothing to scoff at. Oh it's no, still no, a hell I'm not of saying a game. that. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the little honestly trick that, that was, was just a comment to keep on egging on the list <laughs> yeah. that's all that mike it's read a, that mike read that as soon as i piss. said it <laughs> but, but here here's a little bit of the thing though like filler games and lighter weight games like cat in the box games that are that go by a little quicker like that they're they don't really stick around like heavier games do yeah now you're um, talking about in tabletop space or just in general tabletop, tabletop space tabletop okay. space. because oh, i was about to say i was like you got spades you got blackjack like <laughs> like you just got like you know all kinds of like really small really fast-paced games yeah. well, that have whole, stuck around whole, for whole decades whole it, is, whole it is you know hey mike let's go play some big game that's yeah that's how conversations more or less happen in the hobby where it's not really, hey, let's go play all these light, smaller games continually and yeah. play them over and over. Right. So, it's Friday so night. Let's it, play some cat in the box. Yeah. Right. It's in a tricky I got you. it's in a tricky space. But that's when you when you have a game like Cat in the Box, um, or there's another one that one of that Nick, who also went Scout. To with us. Scout. Yeah. Yep. Scout is another one of those small games. When you have mm-hmm. games like that, if they can make their make their stand essentially, and and show that they have something different and can be a quality game, even though they're a smaller game, they take a lot of the conversation for that for that genre of small, lightweight, yeah. easier to get to the table games. And they kind of overshadow a lot of the other ones that don't get seen a little yeah. bit. They, I, I, mean, will, they I will say this. Genre well. I, I will say this. Uh, out of all the games that we brought back from Gen Con, uh, the one I have played the most often uh, has been Cat in the Box. Same here. Um, because but I'm sure it's, also because it's easy to pick up and play and go. And you can it is. Down. It's it's an easy teach. And it's uh, it's a quick play. It's a fairly quick game. But, mm-hmm. um, like, I've gotten people that aren't, like, seriously into board games into this game. Like, that. Um, and uh, after they play that firsthand and they realize that, oh, maybe it's not as simple as I thought it was, but I want to figure this out because it's pretty cool. Like, that, that I, I, lo- I love watching that kind of light bulb go off over people's heads as they play that that first round of cat in the yeah. box and i think it's i mean it's it's probably going to end up in my top five for the year because it is it's that good of a game like the hype it was well warranted and it's just a great great filler game it's a great filler game but so these are at, the ones, at, at any mean, given moment that could be my number one right like sure so, yeah, yeah. I mean, these other ones, though, you know, Miss Wind, whale, flying whales, and, you know, all that. Like, 
my imagination's going off and I'm like, yeah, okay, oh, right, I'm play right. this just on the idea of flying whales doing stuff. Like yep. it sounds fascinating. So Well, that's the other right. thing. Mist Mistwind is still kind of an unknown quantity, right? Like we we played an early version of that game. Cat in the Box is that's true. It's finished. Yeah, yeah it's it, finished. Yeah. We've got a copy of it. We're playing it a lot. Like we only got that one little tantalizing taste of of Mistwind, and um, and yeah, like that's uh, all you it, needed. We wanted. We yeah. want more. I mean, clearly. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. All right. Well, I guess we won't get an official list here. That's all right. <laughs> Sky Mines, you know, Mistwind, Cat in the Box, Age of Comics, Harrow County. We'll have our five. definitive take on all of this on our best of article, mm. um, which, which by the time this episode airs should be up on the site. So uh, keep your eyes all peeled right. for that. There we go. All right. So I won't get your top five. That's fine. <laughs> we can move on from that. What I do want, though, is each of your personal favorite games that you saw during gen con it doesn't have to be in the top five can be in the top five whatever uh you want prefer not be in the top five because this was your collective but you saw it you were like dear god this for me i love this uh let's start with ellis what was your personal favorite oh goodness yeah this this one's obvious that oh he's shaking the shoulder (laughs) yeah yeah, Deal with the Devil was the coolest thing that I saw at Gen Con personally, like by far. Uh, I, I saw a few things at Gen Con that blew me away. Deal with the Devil blew me away several times. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with Ellis on this one. Like if Ellis hadn't picked this as his number one, I would have picked it for sure. Um, but I'm letting Ellis have it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, so Deal with the Devil is is a Euro style game. It's you know, it's a really big, complex game, and you know, I don't have to go into the intricacies, but there's a lot of really unique things about this game that I've never seen before. And usually, like, like games, like, when, when you're looking at a new game, if it does just one thing that you've never seen before, that's really cool. This game does, like, four or five things I've never seen before. That's how I felt about Monopoly when I was, like, eight. Sorry, I didn't. Sorry. It makes you feel like an eight-year-old child. Yeah, exactly. It made me feel like an eight-year-old child. Really. So, uh, one of the weird things about this game, it's only four players. You You can't play with any other player account other than exactly four. And that's because it has this unique, a hidden role system that ties into the trading. Uh, so, with Euro games, trading isn't usually a mechanic because it kind of breaks the style of a Euro game. Uh, like w- w- uh, with heavy strategy, if you, you can just like negotiate well enough, you don't you like you can use that to kind of like go around the strategy and and hey, I'll I'll give you this thing that you think you need but you don't really need because I know the game better than you, and you can give me this thing that. I can win the game with, but you don't know that because I know the game better than you. Like so that that that's why negotiation isn't really in Euro games. But you can't do that in Deal with the Devil because you don't know who you're trading with. The roles in Deal with the Devil are hidden. Yeah, and so there's f- four four specific roles. Um, you have 
let's see two two of the roles are are just regular villagers right yes um yes and and then you have the cultists uh and then you have the devil so Mm -hmm. um so a cultist and a devil so uh the villagers start off with uh less like money and like tangible goods uh but they have pieces of soul right they have souls um cultists the cultist eh, he starts off with a little more uh like tangible goods and money uh but he only has half a soul and so the devil has lots of stuff like they start off with a lot of money a lot of goods a lot of things that the other players need but he has no souls and he's he wants to buy souls because he's the devil um and and so yeah i'll let i'll let ellis explain the the hidden role it's just a great mechanic yeah yeah so the the way that the trading works in this game is the oh do we need to take care of the with your laptop nothing we can do i'm just gonna wrap this up soon okay yeah so the way trading works is they'll uh players will kind of put their offer into this little door and then like slide it shut and then they'll mix it up. And so you don't know like whose is whose until you open it and see, okay, so this, this offer is from the devil, but you don't know who the devil was. And then you can accept or deny that, that trade and that, 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 and that's just one of like several mechanisms around this game. Uh, so the, the reason why souls are important, is after a few rounds, uh, the Spanish Inquisition will come, and they'll they'll demand to see everyone's soul. <laughs> no one, so no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one. <laughs> and uh, if you don't have a soul, then you'll be severely punished. And if if you get punished like enough, if 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 you've been naughty enough, then like as a player, you'll get your own personal Inquisitor, which is hilarious. And the the art for these guys, the art for this whole game is just amazing. It has so much character. Uh, and the 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 Inquisitors all look just like grumpy and pretentious, like just exactly how you would like imagine like someone who would who flays people for a living. Um, yeah, no, it's great. It's it, it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got it we've got a great preview of it up on the site um it's it's definitely uh one we're going to try to get our hands on uh as soon as it 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 it, as soon as we can as soon as cge can send it to us because it's just ellis and i saw it and we both just looked at each other at right after we got the the demo and uh, we both just kind of nodded, and I pulled out an, an, an award. Yeah, <laughs> like it was it was a no brainer. It was a no brainer. It was super super exciting. I was right. sold when I first saw the cover of the box. Yeah, yeah, the cover fast. is awesome. The cover is awesome. I gotta look this up. All right, uh, Mike, tell us uh, what your favorite game was. That your laptop is probably gonna die. Uh, actually, uh, Rob. Get Rob. His laptop is about to die. Oh, Rob's laptop is about to die. Yeah. Oh, yep. okay. Well, Rob, what's your game? Uh, well, I guess uh, that's a Twilight Inscription, man. Um, 
I don't remember if we talked about Twilight Inscription at all in the last episode, but there are there's a category of games out there called 4X, and uh, essentially what a 4X game is is takes like it's it's like four separate games that they put into one. And that's why they label it 4X, because you're doing so many different things in one game. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a 4X game out there called Twilight Imperium. It's one of probably the more well-known beast. It's a beast of a game. And yeah, it's it's an absolute beast. Uh, Games of that can take anywhere from 8 to 12 hours, maybe longer. Um, People typically schedule gaming sessions of it. And so one of my biggest problems with Twilight Imperium was one of those games where a few players could run away with the game and then a couple of the other players are kind of sitting there, hey, I'm not really in this. Why I'm I'm not really having... Oh, I think his laptop died. I'm trying to ramp up my my, my (laughs) other laptop. Uh... It's out of juice. Let me was, see what I can he do. He wants to talk like a man, like his laptop was about to die. He's going into 4X. And... Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh boy, we're going to be here for a while. Yeah. Talk about the subtleties and differences of 4X. So, uh, Ellis, go ahead and while we figure that out for Rob, um, go ahead and tell us. Actually, before you do that, uh, Mike, you might be able to just, I don't know if you have a way to do it, uh, but maybe he could just get on your screen and, you know. I don't know if you have an extra pair. Yeah, of headphones or I've, something, I've got I've know. got another I've got another uh, laptop that I'm okay. powering up. So whatever is easiest for you. All right, yeah. Ellis, uh, hit us with uh, your favorite game. Oh no, I'm oh, sorry. He already that did. would be Mike. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let me just get, give me four minutes. All right, we're actually going to take a break, and then we're gonna yeah. uh, we're gonna get Rob back. Yeah. All right, we're back. We got we got Rob back. He is here. Uh, his laptop died. So uh, we were talking about I don't know. We got lost in Forex. So what was? <laughs> let's let's start over. What was your favorite game at Gen Con? We were talking Twilight Imperium slash Twilight Inscription. Twilight Inscription is the game. Uh, it's based off of Twilight Imperium. Uh, Twilight Imperium, like we were talking about, is that Forex game. Um, it essentially is four different games that you're playing in one full gaming session as a whole game. Now, Twilight Imperium has a reputation for being really long games. You know, six, eight, twelve-hour game sessions are not uncommon with Twilight Imperium. Um, and then the biggest issues with those are some people, you know, some some gamers while you're playing, um. In, in your groups that you're playing with can run away with the game, be way, way out in front of the other players. And so some players are just sitting there like, what am I doing? I'm just watching the rest of the Go game. grab a bag of chips and just watch. Yeah, it, it starts to become a little stale, a little boring in a way. And, you know, it, some, some people can find it less fun. Um, and it just takes a whole gaming experience. And for me, it kind of just flushes it down the toilet in a way. Like, why? Why do I want to go do that and have fun 
with all these different all this different time that I'm spending. Uh, so what makes it. Twilight Inscription so special? Twilight Inscription takes everything about Twilight Imperium, turns it into a roll and write game. Roll and write is uh, is a genre of game where you pretty like the most basic concept of it is you have a pad of paper and some dice. You roll the dice. The dice instruct you how to play essentially, and. See. Yachi. Yeah, Yachi is the original role and right. Yachi is the original role and right. So, you know, it tells you how to play. Everybody can play most role and right simultaneously. And so it keeps play times down. Everybody can still play and be in it. And you don't know who's actually a front runner right off the bat like you would in Twilight Imperium. It's still got the same theme, same, uh, same, what's the, same factions, um, lore. same lore. It's built yeah. in the same universe. About the only thing you don't get with Twilight Inscription that Twilight Imperium would still have over it is Twilight Imperium has all of these sweet little plastic spaceships and whatnot that you're moving around its its modular board. Aside from that, Twilight Inscription has these sweet, sweet boards. Each player gets four of them. Plays up to eight players still, like Twilight Imperium. Um, and these boards are um, use uh, chalk markers to uh, pretty much like dry erase. You know, uh, so the boards are like a darker blue, darker color, you know, to go along with that space theme. And they use these really cool fluorescent chalk markers to play through the game that you, everybody gets one and it's, it's, amazing the dice are amazing the simultaneous play keeps everybody involved and interested and like i said it cuts down that time from oh hey 12 hour game maybe four hour game now tops and you can have more people come play you don't have to understand all of the more complex intricacies of twilight imperium it's just a more fun experience in my opinion than twilight imperium can be and it doesn't alienate or push anyone away for not being good at the game it that's good it's inviting yeah so so a good way to think of twilight imperium is that twilight imperium uh it's gone through four editions now i think uh it is one of the biggest longest beefiest beasts of a game it's totally unforgiving um if you don't know what you're doing you're kind of you're kind of screwed from the beginning and it's a long game so you're going to be kind of screwed for hours and and it's it's a tough it's a tough game to get to the table twilight inscription takes the essence of that game and condenses it down into a very um concise form and um i haven't gotten to play it yet but uh everything i've heard about it has been that it it tra- it, it translates that theme quite well and um is is looks like it's going to be a big hit yeah sounds like it's efficient and more accessible uh, yeah it yeah sounds fantastic i'm kind of looking forward to play it myself because i haven't played twilight imperium yet it's one of those games that I'm like, I'd really like to play it one day, 
but I'm not sure I'm I want to spend like over a hundred bucks for the base game and then like another hundred bucks for an expansion. It's like the first expansion that's like you know a hundred bucks. It's it's a big game. It's a beast. You're um, lucky if you get it to the table once a year. Yeah, yeah. I know people that go to conventions, uh, at, like the BGG Con in Dallas. I know uh, one of one of our uh, former writers, Nick Sverko. Um, he would go there every fall just to meet up with people and play top Twilight Imperium. He would spend the entire weekend playing Twilight Imperium. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's so it, it, the promise behind Twilight Inscription is is a uh, uh, very uh, uh, alluring. I guess is the the best way I can put it. And here um, I am I, thinking I, at seven years old, I'm thinking two hours of Monopoly is yeah. really long. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, but that, that feeling of futility is there. You still have that yeah. feeling of futility. Yeah. Right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to see, because uh, I want to play Twilight Inscription soon. We just got a, a review copy. I uh, literally just arrived today. Um, and uh, I can't wait to, to kind of play it you know, uh, fresh without the experience of, uh, uh, Twilight Imperium. Did I say Twilight Imperium last time? Inscription. Yeah. So I want to see what happens with someone who, when someone plays Twilight Inscription first and then plays Twilight Imperium. Mm. I'll let you know. All right. Um, so did Mike, did we get your, uh, I've, I've forgotten. Did we get your, no, no, we game? haven't. We have All right. So, so like, I think I, I his mean, is Monopoly. I, no, no, it's not Monopoly. The Mario edition? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, the Fortnite edition. Sorry. Oh, yeah. My bad. My bad. At least <laughs> at least make it the Star Wars edition cuz that's the one copy I actually well, have. That's not how trolling um, works, Mike. Don't act yeah, that old. I know. Gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so like I could I could cop out and just say what Ellis said about deal with the devil, but I'm not going to. I'm going to take this opportunity to bring up a game that only I saw out of this group. Um, and uh, I thought it was really cool. I didn't get to play it, but it was it was one of the most interesting concepts uh, with the most potential that I think I saw the whole con. And that was uh, at uh, AEG. Uh, they had a little press event. Um, and uh, they were showing off a few of the games. And one of those games was uh, Let's Go to Tokyo. Mm. Now, this is a... Basically, what happened was uh, a, a couple of years ago, uh, the designer of this game, whose name uh, eludes me, <laughs> um, and I tried to look it up, and there's not literally nothing online about this game yet, hardly at all. You like, just I saved bet, me five seconds. Yes, let me see uh, if I can go to Board Game Geek. Um, I'll look it up while you talk about it. Okay. Uh, go to. Oh no, it's let's go to Japan. <laughs> I had the name wrong. I'm a fool. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad I looked that up. Uh, yes, so it's called Let's Go to Japan. Basically, uh, the designer Josh Wood. Um, he and his wife were uh, uh, about to go on a trip to Japan um, 
when the pandemic hit and and basically no one was going to japan everybody was staying home and so uh he made a game about planning their trip to japan and um and so uh i I, this is why i got him mixed up because you're the the game is you're bouncing between tokyo and kyoto uh and you're trying to hit all of the uh attractions and must-see tourist spots um and catching local flavor local food that sort of thing uh comes with 160 uh cards drawn by japanese-based artists and um and you'll you'll basically go through these cards as you're trying to strategically place them in uh your itinerary um there's uh you draw activity cards these cards can like you you have to be conscious of when you go from tokyo to kyoto and back you want to try to like group cards in your itinerary in the same place because it uh it costs you more um to like take uh transportation back and forth to each of them uh, you're trying to like meet victory conditions by getting uh, going to certain kinds of places. Like uh, you can get victory points for going to like all these different shrines, for instance. Um, and uh, and basically, you're just trying to collect the most points uh, over the course of like 13 rounds, I think. Uh, and um, and then you ultimately go on your planned trip. The super cool thing about this game is that every place on that card exists. These are actual places you can go to in Japan. And um, and you could literally like take the itinerary that you come up with at the end of the game and use that in a real trip. Like I think it's a fantastic idea, not just for Tokyo, but for like, you know, Paris or there's so many different applications you could, you in this could case, use Japan, like, so, just to travel. France. Yeah. And you're learning about the location because there's little uh, flavor text and, and factoids about each location on the cards. And, um, and it just like, uh, like the, the thought that occurred to me would be like, all right, what if you could take a picture of your itiner- final itinerary of the game on your phone and then an app, immediately made it a travel itinerary for you (laughs) like how cool would that be like i came up with this itinerary by playing a game putting travel agents out of business yeah right um or you know maybe the travel agents start using the game i don't know like there's there's so many applications right uh but i thought it was a super cool idea and uh i'm looking forward to it it's it's it was a, a very uh early prototype that we saw I don't even think uh, there was enough playable pieces. It was just uh, kind of show off what was there. Um, And uh, it's coming out in 2023, but I'm kind of keeping my eyes peeled for that. It looks fun and it looks like educational. Like it looks like something with practical use. This looks like a game my wife would enjoy because she loves playing trips. And so... I feel like she would love like the idea of trying to figure all this stuff out, the pricing and, you know, fuel economy and, you know, whatever, I don't know, whatever else is going into it. But I feel like she would have a fantastic time. How, how long it takes. 
I don't know if they have an option where you can walk, where you can take, uh, you know, public transportation. You could take the, you know, the train, you know, like if they got that sort of scenarios and stuff that you can draw and, you know, plan out. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, the whole point of the game is, uh, it sounds is, is fun. It's you're optimizing a trip. Yeah. You're trying to figure out how to balance your resources uh, to to maximize the place, the the amount of places, and, and the the kind of uh, activities that you go on. It's it's super cool. No, super this cool. sounds fantastic. It's one of the hilarious things about board games is that there's a board game for like the most boring topics, like oh, planning a trip, yeah. like, and someone's like, oh, dude, what? Like it was a board game for like logistics administration, and people are like, oh my god, oh, you harvest wheat. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, yeah. if you think about it in the video game space, I mean, some of the most popular games are the uh, the the sim games, you know, Goat Simulator, and Farming Simulator, and right. Gas Station Simulator, and all the other ones out there. Surgeon Simulator. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, it, it's yeah. kind of the same thing, yeah. So, yeah, you just take something that seems extremely mundane or takes, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be actually good at and you know turn it into something that you can just play for an hour or two and just have a goofball of a time with it yeah yeah and and there's uh, a lot of the historical themes are cool too because like you're actually learning about what happened at a very specific thing yeah um, I, I mean a, a lot of a lot of tabletop gaming kind of got started that way as as being like simulations of uh like World War II battles and that sort of thing. Um, so Didn't super know that. cool, super cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Basically, like think about like strategy games on PC, right? Yeah, those started civilization. Off board games. Yeah, for those, sure. Those were board games, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so uh, like a lot of them, like especially like the military simulation games, uh. Uh, like even Call of Duty, like is you know the the no, it's the earliest Call of Duty. Yeah, is, yep. Yeah, was was like this is something that happened in history. Mm-hmm. Um, so super cool. Yeah. So that is uh their top five and their personal top three, and you'll be able to find all of these games plus more in a lot the more. best of article where they're gonna list everything that they liked from board games to food trucks. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to have yeah. all kinds of stuff that uh, they found the best of at Gen Con. Uh, Mike, give us a tease of something. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we had somewhere over 25, like I ordered 25 awards and they magically sent me more. I don't, I, I, I need to go through the list and I think it's like 26, 27 best of awards. Um, obviously most of them we gave to board games for like various different, you know, categories that we came up with after the fact. But, um, but yes, we have, Oh my God. Okay. Um, we have everything from uh, best new tech and tabletop gaming, uh, which mm. we awarded to uh the uh, last game board um we've got a uh, a lovely video up on youtube about that right now uh best gaming terrain uh who which we uh, gave an award to dwarven forge for that i believe they're our first third time winner oh. um and uh and yeah best food truck uh 
Dan, I think it was Dan's Kitchen. Um, yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I I made the mistake of buying the uh, a slice of pizza with uh, tater tots on it, and uh, Ellis and Nick got this amazing uh, Cajun food from uh, this uh, nondescript uh, food truck that uh that i think it was like one of the only uh only options that had a uh, v- vegan food right if I'm yeah they had vegan rice and beans and cornbread i was very happy yeah yeah uh and then of course uh nick nick kind of uh uh went crazy for them because uh he, it had been a while since he had uh, a good po' boy I he's believe. a po' boy boy yeah. he's a po' boy boy hey, a good po' um, boy is a good oh, thing to eat yeah no, if they're next year, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going instead of <laughs> waiting in that pizza line. Um, yeah, no, we we've got lots of great stuff that are that's going to be on that. Um, we'll be uh, that should be publishing soon. Uh, actually, it should be published by the time you see this. Sounds great. So that is uh, that will be the best of Gen Con. Lots of stuff yeah. to read and check out there. Obviously, mostly board game related so that's it for us for this podcast appreciate you watch appreciate you listening uh you could uh hang out with us on our discord and talk more board games they are still posting stuff all the time about st- still going with gen con all the cool stuff yeah. that's happening um, actually uh, up in our top nav we now have a gen con link that you can hit and just go straight to that gen con coverage if you want there you go so you can do that and of course you can subscribe you can like, you can do all that stuff that we've been doing on YouTube for decades at this point. Can you believe I yeah. just said that? Holy frick. I just said YouTube in decades <laughs> in the same sentence. Frick. You're getting old. Yeah, we haven't been doing it for decades on YouTube. Actually, we have. No. Not us, yeah. but YouTube yeah. has. I know I have. God. That's that. Mike yeah. Dunn. <laughs> That's Rob Berg. And that is Ellis Zimmerman. Appreciate you watching and listening. We'll talk to you later.